everybody, and you're very welcome along to our talking technology with NCBI Labs. We're on episode 10. And today we are joined uh, with our panel, John Paul Corcoran, uh, Sean Dorn, and myself, Daniel Dunn. And we'll also be joined by Jeremy Curry and Hector Minto from Microsoft. So today, what we're going to be talking about is digital inclusion and accessibility. So as mentioned, Hector Minto, Microsoft Accessibility Evangelist, will be joining us, and Jeremy Curry, um, who is at the who's at the uh, EAD, EDAD team, which is the Enterprise Disability Answer Desk as part of Microsoft. So, um, so we'll be joined by Jeremy and Hector very shortly. And if you would like to send us your questions or comments, uh, we invite you to do so by using the live event Q&A panel, which is on the right hand side of your screen. And you can also email us labs at ncbi.ie. That's labs at ncbi.ie. And we'll put your questions or comments to our guests today. So, um, first of all, um, I'll introduce uh, Jeremy Curry, who has joined us. Very welcome to today's podcast, uh, Jeremy. Um, so just uh, let's get talking about um, accessibility within Microsoft. Um, can you tell us a bit about your role in Microsoft and whereabouts it fits into the overall structure of accessibility in the company? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been at Microsoft going on about uh, four years now, I guess close to four years, and I've been in accessibility in various capacities for a couple decades. Um, and what I do now is I'm on what's called our Enterprise Disability Answer Desk, or EDAD for short. Mm -hmm. And so essentially any enterprise around the world uh, can contact us and get free accessibility support about Microsoft products. So I'm on the um, level T3 support, so I'm the top tier. So basically, I get all the hard questions. Very <laughs> <laughs> good. Uh, and then I work with the engineering teams to try and make sure that we uh, resolve any issues or implement new features for uh, our customers that they're asking about. So uh, all that feedback that comes into us, I'm kind of the guy behind the scenes that's going out and actually talking to the people who are creating the products and then saying, hey, Here's what we're hearing. Here's also what we need fixed. Can you help us go through and do some of this stuff? And because of the uh, expertise I've got in this field, I'm able to articulate, okay, here's how it should function. Here's how it should work. And here's what we should be looking at. Uh, and so that's that's what I uh, primarily do today. But before this role, I was on the Windows accessibility team. So I owned the, mm -hmm. the low vision user experience for Windows. Um, and so some of the new things you saw come out in Windows 11, like new contrast themes, as well as the rebranding from uh, ease of access to accessibility. I was working on all of that stuff. So it's an exciting time here at Microsoft for accessibility. And uh, yeah, that's that's a little bit about what I do, what, uh, what's going on behind the scenes here. Brilliant, brilliant. It sounds like um, great fun, to be quite honest, because you know, you're at the cutting edge, uh, new innovations and everything that's going to be rolled out and helping to implement those. Um, yeah. So we have Hector uh, with us as well. Um, Hector, hello. You're very welcome. Hey, thanks for thanks for inviting us to join you today. Great to be with you. I'm actually Great here in, in in Belfast right now. Uh, I, I thought I might have spotted uh, a particular liquid on your Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> a, a black creamy liquid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, uh, it was very good. I was actually adding captions to my videos <laughs> in, in preparation for my uh, session today, and uh, in a in a nice bar in Belfast. Yeah. Great. Ah, Jer I know Jeremy from across the pond is very jealous of me saying that. <laughs> I, I, that's what I was exactly thinking. Yeah, just showing off, being there in live in person. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have you'll have to try the, the harp logger up there too, Hector, in uh, in Belfast. As I, a, I as take a, your recommendation. Yeah, yeah no problem. <laughs> as a Dundalk man, though, it used to be Dundalk made. Now it's a, a northern thing, but it's it's a state. It's, it's a staple. I will uh, I will grab the image and share it on Twitter with your text later, right? <laughs> and, put, and put some descriptive language in there. <laughs> Excellent. Hector, um, I suppose um, just like what we've heard there from Jeremy, so your um, uh, your role in Microsoft and where it fits into the overall structure of accessibility in the company, um, can you give us a, a little bit of insight into that? 
like to. So, so essentially, my role is to put us on the front foot on accessibility. I mean, if you think about what Jeremy's just described there, you know, it's all about us being there and making sure that we're there to support our customers, our consumers, our partners uh, on accessibility of our products. But fundamentally, we still live in a world where the vast, vast, vast majority of employers, charities, I would even say to some extent, uh, and, and you know, society in general, there's very little knowledge of assistive technology and, and, and where we need to get to on it. Um, people focus on the tool too often and don't focus about the infrastructure that's inaccessible. So we hear all sorts of stories in terms of how uh, companies want to employ people with disabilities, have employed mm -hmm. people who are blind, but then, you know, people can't read their payslip, right? Or can't, you know, can't book annual leave. And so, so our role at Microsoft is to support every organization around the, around the world mm -hmm. to get confident on the tech that, that empowers people with disabilities uh, and demand, almost like create that market to make sure that we're, we're making sure that people are buying products because they're accessible. But also, if you think about Microsoft as a, as a kind of an ecosystem, you know, we, we take here in the UK, I've got like 5,000 employees in the UK, but we employ at arm's length through our partner mm. network about over half a million. Well, wow. there's a huge opportunity for us to really influence what's happening out there. So so my role is essentially to, to, to stimulate conversations in our partner networks, our customers with governments around the world uh, on the topic of digital accessibility and what it means. Uh, my background, if it, if it helps, um, I've spent 20, I'm very, I feel very old, 27 years uh, <laughs> working in the field of, of, of assistive tech, joined Microsoft yeah. about six years. Frankly, the first time in my career as somebody working in the assistive tech space where I could feel like big tech was kind of, you know, in properly yeah. and really yeah. kind of, you know, starting to, to realise the, the challenge and, you know, what we're trying to do. So, yeah, it was like a opportunity of a lifetime just to get in and, and be there at the, you know, on the on the front foot on accessibility. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, yeah, like it's 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 fantastic what's um, going on because um, I was just uh, going through the Microsoft accessibility website and um, they have a little program there going. Well, I won't say a little program, but AI for accessibility and they're mm. investing twenty five million dollars in it over a five year program. Um, you know to to leverage the power of AI. So it's great to see all this is um, you know being implemented and being brought. Uh, brought to the customers all around all around the world. Um, moving on, I suppose, um, you know, what encouraged you then to, to get into the area of accessibility? Was there a particular, you know, standout thing that says, you know, I really want to get my sleeves rolled up mm. here and get involved? So for me, I mean, yeah. I'll pass back over to you in a minute, Jerry, but you know, obviously for me, I'm a, I'm a chemist <laughs> by training, right? right? Uh, there's a lot of failed chemists out there who like try to become accountants and then realize it's, it's really boring. But honestly, I stumbled into it in my 20s, uh, working with an, a small assistive tech company in, in the south of England, uh, working with people with physical disabilities. And, and I just met a whole group of people in society that were kind of, you know, the, the, the really, frankly, no one knew existed. Yeah? Yeah. And, and they're like, you know, so we're out there kind of selling assistive tech, meeting communities all the world. And essentially, I've just kind of moved through assistive tech companies and in increasing size all the way through my career. Um, you know, it's been a big, you know, we have phrase kind of empathy drives, well, sorry, proximity drives empathy. And I think all of us who work in the assistive tech space want to make people successful, right? You know, there's obviously the cost of sale and, you know, there's always kind of, you know, the challenges around public budgets for assistive tech, but the people building the technology really do want to make a difference. I mean, they're hugely passionate about it. And I, and I just got lucky, honestly, I just got lucky in terms of, you know, falling into something that I loved and really kind of, to switch on in me in terms of look, it's problem solving, it's it's personalizing solutions for people. You know, you, you weren't just rolling out the same thing every day. You really were yeah. working with people to kind of, you know, create a, a personalized accessible experience. And 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 I just think I hit right place, right time, honestly. Yeah. Uh, my my mum is a, you know, she, she was last when I'm on podcasts, so I'm, I'm just <laughs> putting that out there, right? And I mentioned this. I try not to kind of overthank her for it. Um, but she, uh, you know, she's a she's an adult education teacher, I was an adult education teacher, and she she, she worked with adults with, with uh, learning disabilities in the community. Yeah. So I think there was a kind of a genuine, a general kind of backstory interest in that I was intrigued yeah. by it, but it wasn't until I really got into kind of, you know, the daily cut and thrust of assessing, supporting, working mm. with health professionals, that I realised what a, what, a, what a thriving, interesting space it is. Yeah. It certainly, it certainly is. And um, Jeremy, yourself? Yeah, um, I, I love that Hector's that phrase proximity uh, and uh, empathy. Um, mm. You know, it's always about who we're around and, and how we can help people. Uh, for me, 
Uh, my journey really started a long time ago. When, when I turned 18, um, I tried to join the U.S. military, the, the uh, U.S. Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I knew I never had great eyesight, uh, but something had changed. And when I tried passing or when I tried going through all of the tests, I failed the eye exam and I didn't quite know why. Um, and so I bumped around from doctor to doctor to doctor and, and eventually found out I had a genetic eye disease called cone dystrophy. So I had lost basically 60 acuity points in six months. Like imagine if you went from 2020 to 2080, for example. Yeah. Um, and it was a um, it was a highly emotional experience. Um, it's one of the things that uh, really drives me that I'm, I'm very passionate about because I remember thinking how am i going to be able to support a family am i going to even have a family am i going to be able to get through college what do i do for a job and there were all these questions that i I just didn't have answers to and at that time there wasn't a whole lot of good resources out on the web i couldn't just go and google and say okay what you know what does a person who's blind or low vision do um and so i ended up um going through school then um Kind of like Hector, um, he's a chemist, and I'm in. I actually have a degree in education, which um, is much different than where I ended up in engineering. And uh, you know, through that whole experience of having to go through that process, and then I ended up joining um, GW Micro, who was the maker of uh, a window screen reader called Window Eyes way back in the day. Yeah. Um, I started there. Uh, in in the journey in my professional career in in AT, um, and then worked through um, multiple multiple companies. Um, so GW Micro, then AI Squared, because they had gotten bought out, and the industry started to contract a bit, and then Freedom Scientific, and then I did some web accessibility things. Until mm-hmm. uh, finally one day, I was uh, I, I got a call from uh, a friend of mine at Microsoft, and he said, "Hey." Uh, We'd like you to come up here and, you know, interview for this position for uh, the low vision stuff uh, wow. so, because I'm blind and or low vision slash functionally blind. Yeah. And I said, that sounds like a lot of fun. Like, I'd love to do that. Um, and so I, I went there and uh, just hit it off with the team. And, you know, my passion is really about making sure that people who uh, have disabilities, specifically for me, people who are blind and low vision, but across the board, all types of disabilities yeah. have employment opportunities because, you know, many of us have heard the stat that there are 70% of uh, people who are blind or low vision that are either underemployed or unemployed. And I've been in that position where I was like, what am I going to do? And so I've spent most of my career trying to solve that problem. And like Hector said, it's it's the people behind the scenes like yep. oftentimes when you look at big tech you think eh, maybe do they really care or do they not care um but i love what our our uh, chief product officer panos panay says he goes that the products we make are a reflection of the people who make them and there are some really caring people behind microsoft and i just love being part of this team because we get to go out and literally change the world and change lives yeah yeah it's 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 amazing story, um, Jeremy. You know, um, like to to get invited, I suppose, <laughs> by your friend to interview for it and get in onto the Microsoft team. Like it's 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 fantastic uh, to have you there. I suppose, Daniel, that that that's like what uh, Jeremy said. It's pretty evident in stuff that Microsoft been releasing recently. Like mm-hmm. um, obviously, obviously, like Soundscape was released recently. Um, <laughs> uh seeing ai um e- even things from microsoft garage garage um like like ear hockey which we spoke about in this in the past it seems to be people are building things with people with disabilities in mind um and it's great that these are getting released because I mean, we, we all played ear hockey and you know, it was pretty fun but things like soundscape and seeing ai and yeah. from an app based point of view were fantastic but i have seen major improvements in likes of windows magnifier and narrator over the years it's been it's been amazing yeah. is, 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 is that that progression is going to keep going forward is it yeah. <laughs> i think you're <laughs> going to see it really happening now it's interesting i'm, I'm as i said i'm at the hiking summit in belfast today uh, yeah. somebody from Ken, somebody from kenya approached me 
started talking about his use of narrator and he was just like you know you know it is fully functional i set up my own device in fact he put it on a mac he's running boot camp on a mac with narrator and oh, i was right. like that's my that's my favorite story of the week already <laughs> uh, but, but the fact that the fact that you know the, i think the ambition is, is not just the absolute improvement of all of the experiences around accessibility and jeremy's done a really good job in terms of you know this is beyond vision it's hearing it's cognitive it's mental health is another one that's really resonating uh, in terms of the design of our products that kind of inclusive design approach it's also going global right you know if you think about both jeremy and i have kind of done work in the assistive technology space there's just parts of the world that are unreachable for specialist costly solutions you know it's just not you know, we can't do it and so there's a real role and i would even argue there's a there's a there's a limitation in terms of other tech companies reach to be able to deliver low cost solutions in various parts of the world right yeah. so i think there's a kind of a company mission we have you know we, we, we released our, our accessibility commitment last year um but it's to go global i mean like and i think that's what's going to drive a lot of the improvement actually is is recognizing this much larger addressable market um and the other thing i just say is the enterprise or business conversations about disability are different to consumer conversations about disability um, and, and actually there's a piece here that we can really do to kind of bring the whole tech industry forward in terms of just setting best practice thought leadership about what it takes to design an inclusive experience so yeah you're not going to see a slow our problem to be honest and I was having a good laugh with my my boss mm. <laughs> our chief accessibility officer uh, yesterday about this is is making sure that we stay crystal clear throughout that that rapid journey we're on i mean you know i mean india followed by holland belgium you know talking mm. about disability and accessibility with many many different types of businesses not just hubsec regulated but through just businesses who just want to do the right thing and actually yeah. want to want to build a positive brand message on inclusion beyond some of the, the existing brand messaging and and they they know they're not allowed to do it if they're not doing it properly and don't have real people with disabilities using their products delivered on an accessible website right so i think yeah. one one maybe bit of guidance i would kind of offer to, to people listening to this podcast is don't just start the conversation at home make sure you have a conversation at work right as well because yeah. that that i think is where microsoft has a really important role to play in kind of getting others to buy in to the to the agenda i think so no that's a very good point because i suppose yeah you're dead right like when you say accessibility is probably looked at more through a consumer lens and mm. you know we we have to continue on to improve workplace experiences so it, it makes it easier for people with with sight loss and vision loss to be able to enter into the work field to have those solutions available to them when when they can get into a job you know so it's it definitely right in that regard to you know, I, be bringing I, it into I, the workplace yeah let me interrupt just quickly just like let me tell you about one feature that that, that really shows this mentality up you know this approach um so in outlook you know obviously many the most people in the workplace and education around the world are using outlook uh, for their email okay there's a setting in there where you can request inclusive content so essentially okay. as somebody starts to email you they get a flag a mail tip you know the same as a, a vacation or a holiday mail tip right this person's on vacation you're out of office yeah yes um, there's, a, there's an option that basically just says hey this person requests inclusive content run it through the accessibility checker before you send it now, like, wow. like that, that doesn't really apply in the consumer world. In the consumer world, I mean, it should, but it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 in the workplace, that is absolutely the approach. It's like it's not on somebody who's blind in the workplace to make that document accessible. It's about the comms team making it accessible. It's about the training manager making it accessible. And so there's a there's a role here for us to kind of make sure that the the accessibility exchange, as you might call it, is not mm -hmm. just about the tool or the bit of assistive technology or the screen reader in particular or the magnifier. It's also about the content, right? And we yeah. all, we can all play a role in content. And and what's been delightful over the last few years is just the open door we're kind of knocking on in businesses to to support them with what they're trying to do and, and educate. So yeah, yeah. I, I just want to, it's important that people know that that's what we're doing. Wow, that is, that's fantastic. I came across, this is JP here, guys, came across an interesting talk he gave there last year, Hector, I think it was at the Scottish Summit. Is that right? Oh, right? oh yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um you were saying how talking about how Microsoft is being, you know, putting accessibility front and center and what it does. And one of the interesting cases I thought was around the accessibility checker, around how mm -hmm. it's become available on, on the taskbar as we know, and that has increased now. Obviously it's it's prevalent. It's you know it's just there. It's just there for people to be able to use and I think you were saying there's a, a huge uptake in its usage since it was made more readily available. So, you yeah. know, just crawling through different menu items to, to find it is just there. 
you know, it's telling you if your yeah. email is successful or not, which is which is a fantastic um, offering there as well. Yeah, that's the that's the work of Jeremy though in the oh and Jeremy, but that's the work of Jeremy and the tech teams to to make the argument for it, right? It's you know it's not difficult to move a button in a UI, but somebody has to culturally and you know from a human inclusion perspective kind of go, oh yeah, okay, yeah, of course, let's move it. Yeah, Yeah. so I don't know if you want to share the story on that, Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, there, we we did a lot of work inside of Windows 11 to really make things more discoverable because that's one of the thing. One of the things that we found when we were trying to improve assistive technology uh, built in, like you mentioned uh, magnifier, for example, something I use every day and I'm I'm very fond of. Uh, We added reading capability to it um, late in Windows 10. And of course, it's also Windows 11. Yeah. And um, we were finding that, okay, we've got these features, but not everyone knows that they exist. And so some of the things that we enhanced or changed, like uh, earlier I mentioned, you know, rebranding ease of access to accessibility. We actually went out and did user studies and we would say to somebody, and these could be people with or without disabilities to say, okay, um, ease of access, what does that mean to you? And they would say, ease of access to what? The internet, you know, what does it happen to be? And so we, we ended up changing to, you know, what's really become the industry standard accessibility across the board. So if you look at not only Office, but if you look inside of Windows and you know you mentioned inside of um, you know inside of the start menu, you can find all this stuff a whole lot easier than what you used to be able to. Um, and I would add that it was a great time to do that, not only because we're seeing this momentum, but out of the out of the many bad things from the pandemic, there was one really good thing because it really shined a spotlight Mm. on accessibility issues because you had everyone around the world working from home and now there were no workarounds, right? You you couldn't have the person behind you and say, hey, I can't see my screen, can you read this for me? Because that person wasn't beside you anymore. Yeah. And so that really opened up a, a large door. And what Hector was noting is, hey, you know, businesses are really starting to come out and see this. In the mm-hmm. in the EDAD side, the side where I work at, we saw our volumes uh, double. I mean, actually now more than double, because it's become so important, and it's been great to see that conversation really start to take hold globally. Um, and and Microsoft was really, you know, at the forefront, and and Hector's doing awesome things, going out, and, you know, actually saying, hey, look, look at this stuff. Um, not only what here's what we have but you know here's how you can make stuff more accessible and businesses yeah. are open to it it's really been a fantastic time to be in both accessibility and well the microsoft space as well definitely um you know if it, it is one good thing that came out of COVID was that all, all this um kind of got a push and came under the spotlight and um you know kind of pushed everybody to you know to look at the material that we're putting together and making it more accessible for for everyone involved um i, th- I, th- I think i'm sorry just to reiterate yeah. your point i think like microsoft teams was the was the big winner for us in ncbi throughout yeah. COVID because it allowed us to obviously stay in contact with staff members but to deliver our services to our service users and mm. it was it was just such a fantastic tool at the, at the right place at the right time for us and um we we had you know live events like this we've had you know meetings yeah allowing people just to access that was, was fantastic is, is there a kind of would, would it be integration with more accessibility features in in microsoft teams because it's it's the, it's the it's the killer app at the moment in terms of, mm-hmm. of microsoft in terms of productivity for us and that i know like we've had people maybe say that dynamic text and it might or, or to be able to increase text size in it outside of you know just using the magnifier would be a, would be a big benefit but is there things like that you're also looking at, at products like that with accessibility fixes we're looking at lots of stuff all the time <laughs> <laughs> so so teams is just you know one of many 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 product teams that i work with um we you know we get specific user feedback that says hey uh, I need this to function, or uh, I need this feature to to work. Um, you know, and, and and even for example, like uh, you mentioned, increasing text size without magnifier. 
um, coming back to that discoverability problem where not everybody always knows some of these things, but like even right now in live events, I can actually hover my mouse pointer if I, you know, if I have sight to see my mouse pointer and hover it over top of the content and use control mouse wheel up and down and actually yeah. zoom in and out on that content and it'll zoom in and out on wherever you are at, not just, you know, the same spot over and over again. And so we are seeing things like this continue to pop up and continue to be improved because yeah. um, the other component to accessibility besides, you know, those of us who identify as people with disabilities are people who need assistive technology, but don't identify as somebody who is disabled. Uh, mm. So I'll, I'll give you an example. My father is in his late 60s and he had uh, cataract surgery a couple years ago and he he couldn't see the you know things and he would have to magnify things in but but he would never consider himself to be disabled and so we are starting to see it's not starting we're seeing a lot of requests where you've got the aging population come in and say hey i need a little bit more of this i need text size to be a little bit bigger i need colors to be better um, mm. For example, you're seeing dark mode improved more across windows because more people are preferring that because of the you know the light constantly hitting your eyes and and uh, yeah. causing issues. So so it's all that to come back and say it's not just teams because we are definitely making improvements there, but it's mm. all the products across the board. Um, yeah. You know whether it's Office, SharePoint, etc. And I, I know Hector, you I'll. <laughs> I'll pass the torch to you because you've got lots to add on that too. Oh, well, you know, you know, Teams is a is an, an interesting, an interesting product. It's a really interesting product. Just how the adoption of it through pandemic has been yeah. unbelievable, uh, and I'm glad you're kind of you're, you're seeing that as well. Um, there's a couple of things just in terms of again, it's like the awareness thing, not necessarily the. Uh, not necessarily the feature, but if you look at PowerPoint, so much screen content is shared uh, in meetings yeah. now, particularly in, in work. Uh, and so people are kind of doing it the same old way they've always done it, which is just literally show a window, you know, show a window of your screen, share the screen from your side. When you share content now in Office 365, you know, so PowerPoint in Teams, yeah. you don't, you're not doing a screen share, you're sharing the document over the internet. Uh, and, and so a couple of things there, it allows you to immediately, there's a mode now for high contrast mode on anybody else's content. Yeah, so if somebody shares something that's really not great for you in terms of seeing it, yeah, mm. what you can do is you can actually pop it into high contrast mode through the cloud. Yeah, But okay. what you can also do is click the hyperlinks. So, you know, people are blind have not been able to click hyperlinks on shared content before. And so you can actually navigate through the shared content and then get to the website that somebody else is sharing with you rather than waiting for that disgusting URL to make its way to you, right? Uh, in an email wow. later on, right? So, so yeah. I think it's it's not just you know there's the there's the core functionality things like text size and all those things, but then there's also kind of just the new way of working. And I think you know the role that you've got to play it certainly in terms of you know community outreach is making sure that people don't miss that these things are available. You know if somebody is a screen reader user and in a meeting and somebody's just sharing screen, somebody's got to put their hand up and say, hey, would you mind sharing in you know to using PowerPoint Live because then I can access the content. That's the inclusive way of running the meeting kind of thing, right? No different to turning the captions on, right? In, in mm -hmm. PowerPoint for somebody who's deaf, right? So so, so uh, yes, feature, 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 keep improving, keep adding, you know, core functionality. And I think the other bit that's interesting here is to make sure we kind of like learn the new ways of what, you know, what is in the modern workplace and what you get, what are you going to be expected to use in a in job, you know, at, in, at university, in education, etc. Um, and, and once people know that that's the, the best way to do it, Microsoft mm. are delighted because we've got people using our products the way we designed them. <laughs> and so it's exactly. interesting that accessibility is a really cool driver for people to kind of modernize a whole company approach. Otherwise, people just keep doing things the way they did when they left school, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's interesting. It is very, very interesting. No, that's a, a new one, Amino, that you could um, click. Well, then on I've, the, succeeded I've succeeded you have. today. I've succeeded today. But that that is fantastic, like because you know to be able to switch a PowerPoint into into high contrast mode on the fly. Um, mm. You know, it's 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 that's exactly I think what uh, service users will be screaming out for to, to have and, happen. And the, so. And there's a deliberate design decision there. So, so in mm -hmm. Teams, we were very deliberate about you shouldn't have to put your hand up to say, I'm a person with a disability and I need the captions, for example. 
It was like yeah. you didn't have to ask anyone to enable it. It was there, but nobody else knew you turned it on. It's exactly yeah. the same with this low vision view in, in Teams. It's like, why do I have to keep explaining to all my colleagues like what you know what I need? You know, when yeah. actually I can just take the power in my own hands and, and and just force it into that view myself. So I think that you know that's not a again that's not a magic piece of technology. I mean, genuinely, it's not. Mm. It's just a, it's a design decision, and that design decision is the. I'm just going to embarrass Jeremy. It's the Jeremy's of the world, like driving yeah. driving empathy amongst yeah. product teams to kind of go look. You know, let, let, let's make a let's make a positively inclusive decision about what we're designing. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, that's um, I'm actually probably going to set up a meeting with one of my colleagues after now just to tie around with that um, PowerPoint. So, uh, Sean or JP, you'll be expecting a call after after the show today to, to try this out. I, no, I, I like, always screen your calls, Daniel. <laughs> no, don't you do. So, and any other, you know, I suppose insider stories, you know, uh, what's what's new and hot that's coming down the down the lines from Microsoft that you think we'll will all enjoy? Is there any particular piece coming? You know, there's yeah, always. Oh, go ahead, Kendrick. No, no, no. You go. You go. You go. You go. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there's always stuff that we're releasing on the uh, the Windows Insider builds. So, mm. an Insider build is basically a preview build where you can go and try new stuff before it actually, um, you know, becomes public. Yeah. And there are new things uh, such as Windows. Uh, live captions which uses an architecture to be able to you know take for example what i'm speaking right now without being connected to the internet and and turn it into text turn it into captions and subtitles um and not just in one particular app but across windows and so there are things like that that we're we're seeing mm. um there's other stuff that's behind the scenes Ed, that of Ed, course i can't talk about text. <laughs> Edge Auto Alt Text is my favourite current one. Oh, if you're yeah. on, if you're on the latest build of Edge, um, okay. So for anything that's inaccessible on the web, as in something doesn't have good alt text or image descriptions behind it, uh, mm -hmm. the, bra the browser will now leverage AI to make everything, you know, or create a, a good go at deciding what that is. So obviously the OCR, the text, it pulls mm. text from images, uh, yep. and also does a good job at describing what the image is. So that's now a setting in Edge where people can turn on the automatic alt text. Uh, you know, that, that that's brand new. I don't think enough people know about it. Yeah, that's one that I would definitely recommend for this audience. Definitely. Um, other other ones that you that you might want, maybe people have missed. Just I, don't know, I always think rather than kind of always going what's new, I always kind of I worry that people have missed some really important ones. But mm. read on read on Magnify is super important. Jeremy, I don't know if you want to share the story behind how you got to read on Magnify, but I think that's one feature that I think people expect that of third-party AT and didn't don't expect it to be in the operating system. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember literally coming to the interview at Microsoft and um, I said, this is like the number one feature you need to add. Uh, mm. And, and uh, we were able to do it successfully. And so, you know, what we learned was, and, and I guess I kind of knew this innately, but we always do all this user research. We learned was that people who are low vision don't want all of the same stuff read that screen reader users do because they can, yeah they can uh, add their visual context to it already. And so we made it so you can just go and click basically on any element and have a, a rectangle around it. And it magnifier will follow it and it will read it um, mm. all built into the, the operating system, um, you know, without anything uh, additional installed, uh, which is huge. Like for me, I, I, I really struggle with eye fatigue uh, yeah, I have to, you know, be able to have stuff read to me, but I don't necessarily want to hear, oh, it's a combo box and there are four options. Like that's good for people who use screen readers, but I can see yeah. some of that stuff and I it, it doesn't matter as much to me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we were able to implement that, uh, which is awesome. Narrator voices. Narrator voices. Narrator voices. So we're using the neural TTS voices now. So uh, that's coming later in the year. Uh, in Windows yeah. 11 is these these beautiful sounding uh, neural TTS voices is what they're called. Uh, they're coming to Narrator later this year. The onboarding of Narrator is getting a lot of work on it, uh, a lot of shared keystrokes across screen readers so that people mm. don't feel, don't you know, we often meet people who kind of describe themselves by their screen reader. Uh, 
as opposed to kind of saying I use a variety of screen readers for different scenarios. I think we're going to yeah. make it a lot easier for people to kind of jump out and in of different screen readers when the when the situation demands it. I think that's something that people are really calling for from us. Um, th there will always be features. Uh, we should share that there's a link ak.ms slash ack features ak.ms forward slash ACC features where we try to keep that kind of that cross Microsoft flavor of all the features listed. Mm. Uh, it, that might be useful for people if they're, if they're constantly looking for what's new. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, um, I have to say the uh, the speech part of uh, Magnifier was a wonderful, wonderful uh, addition. Um, I've I've often demonstrated to our service users, and you know, they just find it so brilliant. Uh, it's exactly as you described. Like um, fatigue sets in. Um, you want to be able to, you know, listen to the rest of the document. You might have read the first half of it. Fatigue sets in, and it's it's great to bring in as uh, what I call so speech on demand and be able to listen back to the important email or the document you're going through. So uh, that's definitely <clears throat> one of the one of the favorites for me that I've uh, seen come on to the on to the accessibility in Windows in, in recent months. Um, OK, so so that's um, kind of what's planned and coming down the tracks in accessibility offerings. Is there anything else um, you'd, you'd like to cover or mention? Uh, I think I'd like to quickly talk about data and mm -hmm. data sets and, and AI. I mean, Jeremy mentioned briefly kind of the AI for accessibility. I think it was you, actually, sorry, John Paul, I think it was you, <laughs> the AI for accessibility program. Um, yeah. You know, I think we, we, we talk a lot about the tools and the features and the buttons that you press, right? The features you turn on or off. And I think that's like, obviously that's that very kind of individual you know, prescription almost it's like, hey, these are the things I want. And then we've also talked about document accessibility. Um, the other thing that's that's a very interesting topic is the representation of people with disabilities in the data that the world is going to be built on. So, mm -hmm. you know, you, you talked about seeing AI earlier. I don't yes. know if you remember the backstory to seeing AI, but they basically had to get people to go and take a load of photographs of American banknotes mainly, uh, but in the way that somebody who's blind would take a photo of it. Right. So yeah. the data sets didn't really represent what the AI was going to see later when it was used as a tool. And so there's a load of work being done now, particularly with a, a really cool university in, in the UK here in London um, on, on what does data look like for the tools that we need people with disabilities to use. Yeah. Uh, so, so are we making sure that, that the tools work really well for people with disabilities because the data represents the actual lived experience? Uh, and, I, and I think that's another really interesting piece for people to, to start thinking about in terms of like the, the digital offer out there, like what, you know, what they're being exposed to. There's the tools, there's the document accessibility and the website accessibility, that's another one. Um, but obviously it's, like, it's also like, actually does, do these tools work well enough for me? Is the world of assistive technology built on modern data? Uh, mm. You know, and that's where we're trying to really fund programs to to think about what's the data that's going to discriminate against people uh, that some of the AI tools are going to be built on in the future, whether it's car insurance, mapping, travel, all these things. It's just not going to work mm. properly for people with disabilities if we're not really deliberate about the the, the inclusion of of your experience in the data sets. So it, I know it's a bit of a techie topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> but, but but it's. It, it, you know, that's I think that's part of the role Microsoft should play. Yeah. You know, we yeah we can we can talk about operating systems all we like, you know, and we've got to make sure we're constantly developing. But to me, when you talk about seeing AI and soundscape, the tools mm. are amazing, but the backstory and the rigor, the absolute rigor that goes into the journey of that product, the work that Sakib, I mean, you know Sakib, right? Sakib Sheikh, who who created seeing AI. You know, mm -hmm. the, the sheer genius of getting the executive support and the buy in and the recognition that, that the tool had to work in a very specific way. I think mm -hmm. that's part of the story that we, we also want to share with people is like you're going to build much better products if people with disabilities are right in there uh, with you making the products as we move forward. So, yeah, I, I just think that's yeah, so that's, that's a cool topic. Yeah, it definitely is. And um, like I think I think nearly every one of our uh, service users who who has an iPhone, um, you know, has has seeing AI installed and and use it on a on a regular basis. Um, we 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 love that it won kind of you know Apple Apple App of the Year, you know, when it came yeah. out. Like <laughs> for Microsoft, that's like that's like a that's a that's very it. cool thing. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, so I, I, go ahead, there, Dan. So I have, I have a question, if you don't mind, Chloe. 
quickly come in there. Yeah, come in there, JP. I'd love to get get your thoughts, to guys, on this because you're talking, you know, seeing about seeing AI a moment ago, which has been such a, a game changer for so many of our service users in the NCBI. And uh, I'm thinking about other features as well. I'm working with a number of services at the moment who are working, are using the read aloud feature in Microsoft mm-hmm. 365. But a Great. huge success. They love it. And I really like the natural sending voices in, in this feature. Yeah, I think they're fantastic. But my question is this, like I can see a lot of service users who've been used to, you know, using third party software, not to mention here, but you, know, you can think of examples or maybe smart glasses, you know, in a glass that will convert text to speech. Yep. But then these these offerings, you know, these free offerings with built in accessibility, you know, with, with Microsoft and with the Microsoft Seeing AI app, like is that going to become the future? Hopefully we'll have these like, mainstream technology with, with built in accessibility ultimately, which is which is fantastic. Yeah, I think the consumer's going to drive it. If you look at the role that Jeremy has in the Disability Answer Desk, it's like we support third party AT. It's not just, yeah. you know, it's you know, please say the names, you know, it's NVDA, it's JAWS, it's people using our third party on our products. Yes. You know, like Jeremy's team is the kind of the ear of the organization to make sure that we maintain that support mm. for that ecosystem. You know, there will always be a role for highly supported, funded assistive technology. I don't like, you know, as long as it's doing what it needs to do, which is, you know, innovating and constantly innovating and, and, and moving the moving the kind of the, the goalposts further. I, I think where it starts to maybe become a bit challenging sometimes is if you know people see people see seeing AI and think free, but it's not free, of course, right? It's like, you know, there's a lot of yeah. upkeep of that product and things, but it's absolutely a commitment we make to the blind community around the world that we love that project. The beauty of that project is is to me how others start to use it. So if you think of like the barcode scanning, Right in, in in seeing AI, it's yeah. brilliant. It's brilliant, but it's not perfect, right? <laughs> yeah. So so does it do spa discount codes, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, no, it doesn't, right? Because that the data doesn't represent that. You know, all of the the local supermarkets are not. You know, it doesn't it doesn't have all of the the data that it needs to be successful. Hmm. What we need to do is kind of then offer these tools to. The supermarkets, the banks, the you know the, the chemists of this world, to kind of say, actually, come on, you know, let's let's start making this a community project, and you start paying in and funding some of this work as we move forward for your piece of the of the puzzle, right? In terms mm-hmm. of disability support, I think that's almost kind of a more interesting role for for Microsoft to play. The thing I would offer out to the assistive technology companies is we the role that we have to play is decreasing cost of sale all up because the cost of sale and the awareness is the biggest cost. It's the assessment, it's the reaching people that costs a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's also they're hitting a tiny market as in of people with disabilities around the world. They're not getting to parts of the world, as I mentioned earlier, they're, they're not kind of being catered for. We can grow the assistive technology market if we're clever about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we just got to have a really nice transparent transactional conversation with each other about what the what, where the future lies. You know, the pedal foot is not going to be taken off the pedal of, you know, accessibility in mainstream products. That you know, that mm-hmm. that is that's in full swing now, right? You know, not just us. You're seeing what others are doing in yeah. that space as well. I would always say, nothing is without everything's fragile, unless people are really using it, and that's why we need to know that people will use it, depend on it, demand it. You know, within their workplace, within education, within the home. You know, we've. We have to constantly show back to our engineering teams that it's having an impact. Yeah, and yes. people love it, you know, and and and, uh, and 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 are buying our products because of it. Uh, you know, and all those sorts of things are, are important parts of the puzzle. Uh, but no, they, I mean the simple answer to your question, rather than this long rambling one, uh, is is it's not just on us to make sure that it sustains. It's on all of us to make sure that it yeah. sustains. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good uh, takeaway take point. Um, you know, I suppose that kind of leads me to a question. Is there a way for, let's say, anyone listening to this podcast, you know, to, to contact uh, you directly with comments and suggestions? Um, you know, how's the Microsoft Disability Answer Desk? Uh, how can that be contacted? Let's say, for example, if somebody did want to look for a feature or suggest an improvement or something like that. That's definitely Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Have we lost yeah. you, Jeremy? 
I'll, I'll start. I think we may have lost Jeremy. Um, yeah, so certainly. So so we have two disability answer desks. There's DAD and what we call DAD, Disability Answer Desk. Mm -hmm. That's aka.ms, aka.ms slash DAD. Uh, and then you can just get in, co in contact directly through that, that, that portal. But okay. for businesses, there's Enterprise Disability Answer Desk. Now, different set of issues. Often it is things like compatibility with third party mm. AT in business, or it's about how to buy products because of accessibility and, and, and use some of the standards uh, to mm. get it into your procurement tenders, all those sorts of things. But essentially that's EDAD. So ak.ms slash dad and EDAD for, for business enterprise. Mm -hmm. Also feedback directly through the product. I cannot tell you how important that is. So uh, Windows key F on a, mm -hmm. on a laptop will allow you to just literally take screenshots, send them with faults, with bugs, with what you've found, and with feedback directly into your directly through Windows. If you just tag it for accessibility, you know, do a hashtag accessibility in that feedback. Mm -hmm. Trust me, our engineers filter those, you know, filter that feedback. Uh, so that's a that's a second way. And um, wow. third way is MSFT enable on Twitter. So a MSFT MSFT Microsoft enable e-n-a-b-l-e on twitter mm -hmm. just directly message that those folks and they're also really good at capturing things you know one of the things that jeremy and the team of fantastica is is being super transparent on we've seen this before we know about it we're working with the at vendor to kind of you know roll this through or we're working with the uh with the with the product team to get you know to look into this so what we're mm -hmm. constantly trying to do through those services is be as transparent as we possibly can be uh but also cannot tell you how useful it is when we're sitting down with engineers to talk about where we need to go to show mm. real raw <laughs> customer feedback. I mean, that is, that is a, that's a gift, a real gift to us when we're working with engineers. Brilliant, brilliant. So um, yeah, so Windows and F. Um, I think key, Jeremy's um, back. Jeremy's back. I think I'm back. Can you hear me yeah, now? We can hear you loud and clear. Uh, okay, you know, it's technology. It's not always perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for noting those different areas, Hector. Um, you know, I, I want to reiterate too that the Disability Answer Desk and the the Enterprise Disability Answer Desk they're they're free. They don't cost anything. So, yeah. um, if somebody's got an issue with uh, not only you know Windows and Office, um, but also you know third party assistive technology, mm -hmm. please please reach out. Um, as Hector was talking about, uh, you know, the, the accessibilities are all of our responsibilities. We have direct relationships with um, third-party AT companies as well. Mm -hmm. So there are there are often times where we'll get a JAWS uh, issue, for example, and we'll reach out to the JAWS engineers and mm -hmm. say, "Hey, you know, can you can you help us look at this? Can you help us fix this?" Um, so you know, they've also got their own tech support as well. But we do have that real close hand-in-hand -hand partnership, and. Uh, even if somebody, for example, if, if you're working for a corporation and you need, you know, kind of like a, a 30 minute coaching session on, hey, how do I use this thing? Like mm -hmm. EDAD can can help with those types of things. Um, okay. uh, you know, just as, as Hector said, please reach out, please use the services, because if if people don't and they don't know that they're there, then it makes it difficult mm -hmm. for us to be able to continue and say, hey, is this really a need? And um, I don't know about you all, but as a person with a disability, sometimes I have difficulty asking for help um, because I don't necessarily want to or because, you know, I think maybe I should know this. Um, mm. But one of the great things about Microsoft culture is I can ask any question I want from anybody up and down the chain. And regardless of the basic question or something super advanced, uh, you know, we're all very open. Uh, yeah, it's it's not something you have to worry about. Uh, judgment on from at all mm -hmm. and that's that's brilliant um that those lines of communications are open and i suppose you know after this podcast you'll probably get loads of feedback from 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 ireland and let's ho let's hope all our service users do because at the end of the day you know you're going to rely on that feedback to drive your innovation and your solutions going forward i think that would be yeah. a fair point to make on that um i suppose guys just before we wrap up um you know you're with microsoft you know a good good number of years is there any particular highlight that you would like to let our service users know about uh, while working in the area of assistive technology any particular kind of standout thing or moment I'll, I'll, 
I'll start off maybe on that one. Um, just thinking particularly about kind of you know uh, blind community. I remember I was at an event in uh, in, in in London, uh, and we were essentially having a kind of a, a cross banking round table. You know, so think about kind of you know account teams, people delivering, selling our technology to their customers. We were just generally talking with all of the UK banks about the topic of accessibility and driving that conversation forward. And and at the very end of the meeting, our second shake from seeing AI obviously came in and and uh, joined me. Uh, and we were talking through the journey and you know what we're trying to do with seeing AI. The bankers all loved the currency recognition, right? <laughs> and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Right? Um, but at the end of it, one of the um, customer success folks from Microsoft, uh, young intern slash graduate, you know, young age, walked up to Sakib in front of me and, and, and just said, I just want you to know that you're the reason I joined Microsoft because I want to do this kind of stuff. Right? I wow. don't want to, I want to do exciting stuff and I want to do stuff that empowers people. So I, I think that, that that really rang home true to me that, that, that we all want to do stuff with social purpose, right? You know, mm. or, or let's not say we all want to do it, but I think you're truly blessed if you if you can do stuff that that's empowering, right? It's like you know, yeah. you wake up. I don't think I've had a sick day in like six years. <laughs> you know, you do, you know, you love work, right? If you yeah. get to do cool stuff, right? And I just thought when we heard that from that, you know, that that young graduate new in career sort of going, you know, I want to, you know, I want to, I want to do this kind of stuff. I think that's partly what we've got to we've got to tap into. That accessibility is not boring. It's not it's yeah. not mundane. It's not it's not some weird kind of discipline, right? You know, because yeah. you know, it is it's like genuinely cool stuff that we yeah. get to play with. And I think that's you know, we've got to do the rigor. I'm a big fan of like I don't care if you say you love accessibility, if you share a load of social media posts that are inaccessible, right? It's like you're kind of <laughs> saying all the right things, but you're not really doing the right things. It's like you've got to do both. I'm, I'm not gonna let you off the hook of being rigorous, uh, but at the same time, I do think there's this generation coming through that genuinely have a passion for social impact, uh, social value, and social stance uh, on on you know all sorts of issues that, that a company like Microsoft has uh, influence on, right? Um, so I just think take that away with you. It's like you know, yeah. some of these amazing innovations have come from personal hacks and passion projects and cross departmental teams pulling together and just making something happen. One of the just Jeremy, I know you're probably going to get in here, but a lot of the people might not realize is that across Microsoft, if you are somebody with a disability and you need an adjustment in the workplace, your mm -hmm. manager has no impact on it, right? Now, what that means is you don't have to ask your manager for funding for your assistive tech. It's centrally funded across the world. Yeah, your manager doesn't even know what the cost is. They don't care. Like, why should they yeah. care? It's nothing to do with them. But yeah. the employee with a disability is empowered to get what they need to be successful and it doesn't cost us anything right frankly in the grand scheme of things it doesn't cost us anything but so some of the hacks that we do are digital and technical and amazing and ai driven and we love them but some of them are just like the the human experience of people with disabilities saying why am i having to put my hand up is a hack yeah. as much as the piece of technology is a hack yeah and and yeah. And, and i think that can be just as exciting sometimes i think so yeah, i think simply. I'll just add to that. Like, I think it's cool that we we practice what we preach, right? Um, we're we're constantly talking about accessibility externally, but we're doing the same things internally. Um, just as a side note, uh, uh, or I should say, side as an example of that, uh, we have people specialized inside of EDAD that if somebody is an internal Microsoft employee, uh, we have a special channel, a special person that just goes and handles all those requests. Like, if they're saying. I'm having problems doing this or like during the pandemic, for example, somebody needed a shuttle at campus and, and for some reason there was some issue and they emailed us and we'll, you know, got to got to figure it out. Like you know, we needed mm -hmm. to get them a shuttle. Um, those things I think are really cool to see because the culture here impacts the culture around the rest of the accessibility community. Like if we can't do it here at the largest, you know, one of the largest tech companies in the world, how do we expect yeah. everyone else to do it? And what you see behind the scenes are people who care. Um, a lot of people with disabilities like myself who are highly mm -hmm. engaged in this and then developers who really crave that impact, right? It's one thing to write a piece mm -hmm. of code that says, oh, a menu opened. You know, it's a different thing to say, oh, I just wrote a piece of code and now this person can do their job because of what I just did. You know, that's exactly. a whole different level of impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and was there any particular uh, nugget or uh, development uh, that you know 
really stood out for you over your time in, in Microsoft, Jeremy? I think you might have alluded to the, the magnifier speech earlier. Yeah, magnifier speech. Um, also, uh, right before this team, I, I worked with the team to redo high contrast into contrast themes. Mm. So I'm, I'm very light sensitive, as well as like 12% of the global population. Turns out you don't have to have a, uh, you know, be blind or low vision to have light sensitivity. Different mm -hmm. other um, conditions have this as well. And one of the things we were finding with, with high contrast is when you turn it on, things looked and felt differently. And it was an ugly experience. It, you know, if you were a child in a classroom with everyone else, mm -hmm. you looked very different, right? And so mm -hmm. we wanted to, uh, part of it is we wanted to destigmatize it. You know, we, we've changed it from high contrast to contrast themes. It's a more generic term now. It's not just, hey, it's only specific high contrast. But we went through and we remade all of the default themes um, and we even added a couple as well. So that if, if you're, I'll go back to the, you know, being in a classroom, if you're a child in a classroom, why should your, mm -hmm. you know, thing have to be different from the person's next to you? When you turn it on, it's a beautiful, aesthetically pleasing experience. And it, it, it allows you to better utilize items. Like we used to change all of the icons on the taskbar to look different in this high contrast mode. Yeah. What we found was when we were doing that, people lost context. They didn't know what that icon was anymore. They're like, oh, I used to click here to open up Outlook. Now it doesn't look the same. Um, and yeah. so we keep those icons the same. Um, you know, that all of that sticks out to me. And uh, Hector will probably laugh at me for this, but one of my favorite, favorite things that we've done is the uh, uh, be able to add uh, punctuation automatically when you're doing uh, uh, voice dictation. So who knew that was a thing, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, rather than saying like, "Hey, it's been great here, uh, been great to be here today!" exclamation point, you just say, "It's been great here to be here today," and it recognizes that you've got that inflection and puts it there at the end. Like that yeah. stuff, that's just very cool. It is. It is. Um, I've used that in in the Microsoft Office 365 Word, and you know, it, it is very, very clever. Um, the, the new automated punctuation. Um, in Windows 11. In Windows 11 now as well. Across the whole piece. Yeah, I I must confess I haven't upgraded yet to Windows 11. <laughs> but I'm, I'm certain to get to raw test it soon, so I am um, still on Windows 10. And you know, in fairness, Windows 10, the accessibility features in there, uh, the improvements that have been rolled out over the last couple of years have been amazing, guys. So um, hats off to to you and your team, you know, for the great work that has been done. Um, and our service users right across the country, you know, really appreciate the improvements that have been made, and look forward to more coming down the tracks. So, um, guys, I think that just brings us to the end of our podcast for today. It's been absolutely fantastic having you both here and listen to your amazing stories. Um, you know, we look forward to seeing the innovation and developments continue coming from Microsoft over the months and years ahead. And as I said, you know, keep up the great work, guys. It's been a pleasure having you on the show and speaking to you both. It's been our honor. Thank you for, or it's been my honor. I won't speak for Hector. Equally <laughs> <laughs> honored this side. It's been great. It's been great. Yeah, thank you so much. Guys, thanks very much and um, keep up the good work. I don't know where I'm thanks. going. Thanks, everybody. Thanks all. Yeah, so that was Hector Minto and Jeremy Curry from Microsoft, and they were absolutely amazing stories uh, from Microsoft. So don't forget, you can get in touch with NCBI Labs on our support line, which is 1-800-911-110. And you can also reach us by email on labs at ncbi.ie. And for general support from NCBI, uh, you can also free phone us 1-800-911-250. That's 1-800-911-250. And you can also email the support on info at ncbi.ie. And don't forget, you can support NCBI services by donating online. Just simply visit donate.ncbi.ie. That's donate.ncbi.ie. So coming up in our future Talking Technology podcast, we will be welcoming Sarah 
Herlinger. She's Apple's Senior Director of Global Accessibility Policy and Initiatives. So we're looking forward to chatting to Sarah. Uh, Stephen Scott from Blind Guys Talk Tech Podcast will also be joining us. And Kartik Cannon, co-founder and the CTO of Envisions will be on in an upcoming show. And also Alan Kiernan, uh, Katian Consulting and they'll be all coming on in our future shows. Our next show is going to be broadcast on Tuesday, June the 21st, the longest day of the year. So do come around and listen in then. And if you want to keep up to date with our NCBI technology newsletter, you can sign up on our website at www.ncbi.ie. Or if you want to be added to the mailing list, please drop us an email. That's labs at ncbi.ie. So that's pretty much everything for today's show. Um, from John Paul, Sean Dorn, and myself, Daniel Dunn, thank you very much for listening. And we look forward to reaching out to you again in our next Talking Technology podcast. Thank you.